Hi and welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast series Sunny Side Up. I'm Paroma. I'll be your host for the day. Hi Logan, I'm Paroma. Welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast series titled Sunny Side Up. We're really happy to have you here today. How are you? I am doing fantastic, Paroma. Thank you so much for the opportunity to join you on your podcast. It's a pleasure for all of us here. And what we wanted to begin with is uh, getting our audience to know a little bit about you. So would you take a moment to tell us about yourself and also what led you to your current role at Sweetfish Media? Yes, absolutely. So I have a little bit of a, uh, I call a squiggly line in my career path. I graduated college in 2008, which was a great time to hit the job market for one. Also a great time to hit the job market with a journalism degree when that industry was going through a lot of changes and, and a lot of contraction, definitely. So I promptly got into B2B sales, uh, was selling copiers, office technology, and software for about 10 years, uh, always kind of had my eye on B2B marketing because I kind of felt like a marketer living in a salesperson's body because of my journalism background and, and the background in creating content. And over the last couple of years, James Carberry, the founder of Sweetfish, and I struck up a friendship and It was through actually a mutual connection that we got connected, struck up a friendship, saw the way that Sweetfish was growing as a podcasting agency, and the timing was right here in the last few months for me to jump on as both a co-host of our podcast, B2B Growth, and our director of partnerships for the agency. Basically, I own the sales function and head up our partnerships with marketing agencies that we have as well. And what kind of led me to it is, you know, I saw the business model of Sweetfish that just made a lot of sense. I actually, in a previous role in my sales role, was hoping that our company would be able to launch a podcast because I saw a lot of benefits there. So I felt like if I believed in it and there was an opportunity to jump on with the agency on top of being good friends with the founder, it was just a very, very good fit. So it was a combination of things. And like I said, kind of an interesting ride from journalism to sales, to sales within a podcast agency, obviously in the B2B marketing space. But that's a little bit about kind of how I got there today. So that's been an interesting ride for you. And uh, could you elaborate on the core problem that your company solves for B2B marketers? Absolutely. So the way I explain podcasting is it's really a double-edged sword. We're helping our clients both with their content marketing efforts because it takes both quantity and quality these days to stand out in a crowded market. The other side of it is from a sales perspective, a lot of folks in B2B sales are finding a very tough time to break through the noise to connect with their target accounts. Having your own podcast gives your team the unique ability oftentimes for sales to break into new accounts with the relationship of interviewing your ideal clients on your podcast can give while marketing is reaping the benefits of a system that helps them produce more content that is of quality because you're interviewing folks from your ideal target profile from within your audience that you're trying to sell to. So we help with sales and marketing alignment and help both of them to get the benefits out of having their own podcast for their brand. Okay, that's interesting. There's also been a rising preference for audio and video content. And uh, 
the next question revolves around this. What, where do you see this trend evolve over time? You know, a lot of B2B companies, a lot of B2C brands as well have started mm-hmm. shifting formats. They aren't only sticking to text. They mm-hmm. are looking at video content and, you know, interesting ways of uh, garnering attention in the, in the market. So where do you mm-hmm. see this entire video and audio trend move to? So one of the big reasons we see audio content is gaining traction is because of the nature of the way that we live and do work these days. When I was a B2B sales rep for an office equipment dealership, I oftentimes found myself consuming audio content, whether that was podcasts or audiobooks, because I could consume that content passively. You know, I spent a lot of time driving and traveling, and there are a lot of instances like that, whether you're in sales or you're a busy executive traveling or you're just like all of us and you're you're doing a lot of different things every day there are a lot of opportunities where you could consume audio content where you wouldn't be able to watch a video or read a blog post you know i mentioned driving walking the dog going for a run even my favorite you know washing the dishes as i'm trying to gain a few brownie points around the house getting some stuff yeah. done for the family but also being able to consume content that's both good for professional and personal development at the same time That's interesting. So that's made you like an all-round multitasker. So that's pretty amazing. And uh, so when it comes to podcasts, especially for B2B companies, how would you say it helps overall content marketing efforts and goals? You know, content marketing is a given for any B2B team, sales or marketing team. So how can a podcast actually, this channel, how can it help them more? Yeah, so I think it's twofold. The first is it creates this flywheel of content. You know, a podcast and audio content, oftentimes there's a lower barrier of entry to create that content, both from a time perspective, you know, 30 minutes oftentimes is plenty of time to produce a a podcast interview where, you know, creating that same amount of content in an engaging format in video would take a lot more time. It would also typically consume a lot more of the budget because it kind of going back to your last question on, you know, where things are going with audio and video, there are a lot of folks who haven't yet been putting out video content and now they're kind of rushing to put video content out. But oftentimes it's not content that's really suited for that format. It might be just kind of talking heads version of a podcast, which is okay, but I don't know about you, but I have trouble sitting in front of you know, a screen for 30 minutes, just watching video that maybe the audio content is engaging, but the video doesn't really add anything to it. So I think there's that trend as well. But with the podcast, because audio interviews can be very, very approachable to be able to produce it, it allows for, you know, that core piece of content that can be created quickly and easily. And then that flywheel that I referenced, you know, those interviews, a few things that we help our clients do is, you know, repurpose that content into written content that can be distributed in channels that you own, in channels that you don't own. You know, that one conversation can be turned into a long form 
platform status update on LinkedIn. It can be turned into a thousand word blog post, both of which could link back to your podcast, obviously sharing each episode on social. If you have an interview with someone where they break down something pretty technical or or go through some stats, uh, it's an easy way to get that content out. And now that become, that turns into an infographic or some other piece of content. So you kind of start in the middle with this core piece of audio content, which is growing in listenership, but then it can be atomized into multiple different ways and morphed for different channels. The other benefit is that with an interview-based podcast, we help our clients with this idea that we call content-based networking. And basically, mm-hmm. we define it as collaborating with ideal clients, potential referral partners, and industry influencers to build meaningful relationships by creating content together. So when you approach it this way, you're actually getting the one-to-many of content marketing. As you mentioned, there's no B2B brand or modern marketing department or agency that isn't doing content marketing. But when you pair that with collaborating and creating content, not in a vacuum, not your marketing department in a conference room, trying to think of what is going to be relevant content for your buyers, but going out to your potential buyers, interviewing them on your podcast, you're crowdsourcing your content strategy, but you're also getting a one-to-one relationship that you might not have had otherwise while you're doing the one-to-many content marketing. So when I say it's twofold, that's the other aspect. And I think that's a part, this content-based networking idea that a lot of folks aren't necessarily uh, thinking about that is you know, a benefit of producing audio content as well. So, you know, I have a quick question uh, right about here. So, you know, over time, what we saw is that every brand started maintaining a regular blog on their website. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of become a given all over the world. There'll be very few websites or companies with active websites that don't maintain a blog. So question here, do you see podcasts taking that same route eventually? Because, uh, you know, as you said or said before, audio is easy to consume. You could be walking the dog and listening to an interview, <laughs> and, you know, registering a lot of the stuff that's been said. So where, do, do you yes. see it get the uh- same importance, importance as a blog? Absolutely. I just saw a post someone tagged me on in on Twitter this past week that alluded to that same fact. And that's something that our founder, James, and I have been talking to a lot of folks about is that podcasting feels a lot like blogging did 10 years ago. You know, right. not everyone was doing it. HubSpot led the charge by showing, you know, uh, if you put out a lot of content, what can happen. Now blogging is a lot more crowded. And I think in the next 10 years, Years, maybe even in just the next five years, podcasting is is going to follow suit. You know, some marketers say that, you know, we as marketers ruin everything. So maybe that'll happen with podcasting. There'll be podcasting overload, but that tends to be the case with anything. Anytime there's new open waters, eventually it gets crowded. But the good news for marketers right now is that the space isn't overly crowded yet. There's room for you to kind of tread out to those open waters and claim some space in your niche, in the market that you're trying to own when it comes to podcasting, because it's not crowded yet. That yet is what's important. So the timing feels really great. The groundswell is still happening. It hasn't kind of reached peak on the wave. So that's where we're encouraging marketers to uh, to take advantage of that opportunity of the timing, uh, because you're right, it is going to likely follow slu- follow 
excuse me, follow suit with blogging and video content. But if you look at other platforms like YouTube, brands and content creators that were early to that platform have gained and maintained a large following. So if you want to build and sustain an audience over the long haul, oftentimes being the first to a given platform or a given medium really gives you the leverage. So I think there's an opportunity here for a lot of marketers. That's an interesting insight. So let me ask you next, what according to you should content marketers who are exploring the idea of podcasting keep in mind when they're setting up their show? And also, Mm -hmm. what are some of the common falls you've probably observed because you're in this space right now? You help B2B brands set up their podcast channel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are probably a lot of common struggles or obstacles that they face in terms of not only setting up the channel, but how to reach out to the people they hope to have on the show. So Mm -hmm. what is your take on all of this? Yeah, there are a lot of things I think we could break down there, Paroma. The first is you mentioned uh, what's a mistake that folks make when thinking about their podcast. And I think the biggest one is, you know, thinking about the theme and the direction and even the branding of your podcast. A lot of folks say, well, we do cybersecurity or we have, you know, a SaaS tool that does this. So we're going to make a podcast about our product. And I think you are going to build an audience much more readily if you focus less on your company and less on your product and focus more on your ideal buyers and theme a show around what's important to them. For instance, we are a podcast agency, but we don't have a podcast about podcasting. The name of our show is B2B Growth. It is all about challenges that B2B marketing and sales leaders are facing in growing their company. So we kind of went one level above our service to look at the category and the buyers that we serve and what do they care about. Does podcasting come into that conversation a little bit? Sure, it does sometimes, but our show isn't just about our service and we've been able to build a great audience there. Your other point about what folks can do early on, I think if you follow this methodology of thinking about a podcast that could be really geared toward your ideal buyers, if you sell to lawyers at firms between 50 and 150 employees, think about you know that persona and theme the show around that buyer. It could be the same for a CFO in the manufacturing industry or a marketer in the SaaS world. Think about theming your show around your buyer, and then you'll be able to connect with the right audience as well as the right guests that you want to build relationships with. That's pretty interesting. So, you know, you you did mention before we had our chat that you're also pretty comfortable with content marketing. LinkedIn as a channel is very Mm -hmm. often used by B2B companies. So do you have any inputs for our audience here? How can they optimize a channel like this? How can they do something different? Yeah. So I think what a lot of folks do with their podcast, with their webinars, with their blogs is they go to promote it on social, right? And LinkedIn is a big part of that because B2B buyers are there every day scrolling through that feed. And so a lot of folks are posting about this other content on LinkedIn. And what I see a lot of folks doing that they could make a small tweak that could bring a lot of benefit and a lot different results would be don't just post a link to your podcast episode or post a link to your webinar and say, check it out. And at best, maybe tease the content. You know, we interview so-and-so of this agency and they talk about these three things you can do to double your revenue 
in the next 12 months. A lot of times what people are trying to do is is get those click-throughs. Well, one, LinkedIn specifically doesn't favor those posts, actually posts without links in the update itself and text-only posts get further reach on their algorithm because they're favoring posts that aren't pushing people off of their platform. And the other thing to think about is, you know, a lot of folks that see that post aren't going to click through. So what we have done and what we've helped our clients do is actually share the value of your other asset, be it a a webinar or a podcast episode, share the value of that in your LinkedIn post. Instead of just putting a link and teasing the content, if you break down three SEO strategies that can help double your traffic, share what those three strategies are right within that post. And some marketers will say, well, it'll be tougher for us to get click-throughs if we don't put a link in the post or if we put it in the first comment, which is kind of a, a hack on LinkedIn that you can use. And what we found is that most people aren't going to click through anyway. So you're going to get more views by writing it in the way that people consume the content and LinkedIn's algorithm prefers. So those text-only posts where you actually share the value, more people are seeing it, more people are associating that content and that value with your brand. So the long game works a lot more effectively. So that's one strategy for promoting your podcast or other asset, specifically on LinkedIn that we've seen a lot of results with. It's pretty interesting, Logan, and I think uh, your insights were pretty, especially on podcasting, it's pretty relevant, especially given the time, given the day and age, the demand for more audio content, more video content, and basically different kinds of formats. So is there anything else you'd want to share with our audience before we wrap up for the day? I think that, like I said, the timing for podcasting is really, really good as we touched on. But the thing I would encourage folks to think about is this idea of content-based networking where you collaborate with your ideal clients and potential referral partners to create content. One, it creates better content for your audience because you're crowdsourcing it from your ideal audience, but it's also giving you one-to-one relationships at the same time. Podcasting is a great tool for that. We're big proponents of it, obviously. But it's something that you can work into your content marketing, whether you have a podcast or not. You can use content-based networking with your blog with webinars, with virtual summits or video series. So think about ways that you can create content with people from your target market, from your ideal customer profile to create content for more of your audience, whether it's a podcast, a blog, a webinar, a video series. There are a lot of ways that you can apply this idea of content-based networking. Thank you so much, Logan, for spending this time with us. And uh, it was great having you. And uh, I hope to catch you soon. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure.